Football is a really complex game. I've been watching it religiously since I was about 12 years old, and I still barely get what's going on half the time. But even if the only game you watch all year is the Super Bowl, you will understand that football is extremely violent. Some of the best athletes in the world, 200, 300 pound guys, throwing themselves at and into each other at full speed. Obviously, there are risks to playing a game like that. Researchers have now found CTE, a brain disease often associated with NFL players and concussions, in younger, amateur athletes. That's according to but recently, the risks of long-term impacts, especially to the brain, have started to become clearer. And that has fans, parents, and even some players asking, should we still be playing it at all? My guest this week is CNN sports anchor and former NFL player Coy Wire. He's been looking into how football's violent history informs the present and why the possible solutions at the pro level could reverberate all the way down to peewee. From CNN, this is One Thing. I'm David Ryan. Hey, Koi. What's going on, David? So the last time you were on the show, we talked about Buffalo Bills safety DeMar Hamlin. People might remember this. He suffered cardiac arrest during a game against the Cincinnati Bengals. He actually had to be revived right there on the field. The future of his NFL career kind of seemed like the least of his worries at that point. But less than eight months later, he is back with the team, back on the field for a new season, which kicks off later this week. So that's like really amazing backdrop here. But I know you've been digging into the broader questions around football safety. Where did you start? Yeah. Dave, that injury, that hit to the chest causing that commotio cordis and and cardiac arrest, experts agree it was an extremely rare injury, but it was a reminder of just how dangerous the game can be. And we heard some cries from people again, football's too dangerous. Don't let your kids play football. And that that kind of bothered me. Hmm. Boy wire, number 22. You know, um, football was my first love in life. Started playing when I was seven years old. Well, when he was playing peewee football, he would run for three, four touchdowns every Sunday. Here's Coy Wire, and he breaks free. And look at this. They just can't tackle, and Wire is all the way down into the end zone. In a small town in Pennsylvania where football's like religion, taught me the value of hard work, discipline, sacrifice, and then all through college and into my NFL career, But I did question, you know, just how dangerous is the game today? And I wanted to find out to see if players today and those of the future are in a better place than I was during my nine-year NFL career and where player health and safety was going in the NFL. Right. And did you know, like, did you have a sense when you started playing and started getting really serious about your playing career, how dangerous the game could be? I did not. I did not know how dangerous it could be. I didn't know everything we know today. I mean, I'm sure I knew that every Sunday in the NFL, I was essentially going to be putting my body through a dozen or more mini car wrecks. I knew that. Hmm. I've had surgeries from my ankles to my knees to my hands to the titanium plate and four screws in my neck. I wake up to this day and I still feel like I was in a car accident <laughs> some morning. So you're still feeling the pain? Every day. Yeah, every day. Somewhere, somehow. I've got a finger that doesn't work. Going to need surgery on that. Wow. But that was the path that I chose. But that pain, always worth it. Always worth it. It wasn't until later in my career, um, especially around 2009, 10, 
in training camp 2011 that we really started to know about chronic traumatic encephalopathy, CTE, and the potential long-term right. effects um, that football can have on the brain. That's when things got scary. Uh, so I wanted to take a closer look at just how dangerous this game is, what's being done about it, and just how much safer the game might be in the future if progress has continued to be made. And so, so what did you find? Well, we started where it all began. So this helmet here is actually from uh, the early 1900s. You know, we took a trip to the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, uh, saw the old helmets, the leather with no face mask. You go back to 1905 and football was extremely brutal and, and even deadly. We talked with John Kendall, uh, the VP of Museum and Archives there. In 1894, the Harvard-Yale football rivalry was canceled for two years because one of the games was so gory that it was named the Bloodbath at Hampton Park. Mm. There were at least 45 player deaths within a five-year span, according to an article in the Washington Post back in 1905. Think about if that were the case today. Football would be canceled, right? Well, back then, the game looked more like rugby. Parents had seen enough. One of those parents was President Theodore Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt really loved what the sport taught, but he didn't like the brutality of it. Ultimately, his son became a player at Harvard and suffered a, a very serious injury while playing. He knew that something needed to be done because he loved football. On October 5th, 1905, the president brought coaches and decision makers from uh, top college teams to the White House, urging them, hey, you need to figure something out. Right. Uh, and the schools later put out statements and they, they pledged to make the game safer. By 1906, a year later, there were a slew of rule changes implemented in an effort to make the game safer. One of the big things that came out of that was the rule change of legalizing the forward pass to spread the game out. What we've been finding is that through evolving equipment, innovation, uh, injury data collection, research, and there's also this culture change, David, happening. And we're finding that the mindsets of the players and coaches, mm. uh, that macho gladiator mentality, I want to take you out, put you on a stretcher type of mentality, that culture of football that, that has been around for decades, well, that's starting to change for the better. Yeah, I remember as a kid, I would watch SportsCenter and there would be specific <laughs> segments dedicated to the biggest hits. Jacked up. Jacked up. If you go back and watch some of those segments, it is shocking, jarring, that this was a featured segment, one of the most sought-after segments back back in the day, where they, they accumulated the top hits of the week. And I was watching some the other day, and there are players who are clearly knocked out. They're going into that fencing position, like we saw Tua Tungavailoa last football season. Very scary. And it, it made one of the top three hits of the week, and they were screaming and yelling, that's awesome. It's not awesome. That, but that, that was the culture. Right. According to a league investigation, the New Orleans Saints had a bounty program that paid players for injuring opponents. And we remember certainly uh, part of the culture was Bounty Gate in 2012. $1,500 for a knockout that took an opposing player out of a game. $1,000 for a so-called card-off when a player had to be carried from the field. Make sure we kill Frank Gore's head. We want him running sideways. We and Greg Williams, he was suspended. The team was fine because they allowed this culture where part of it was encouraging players to injure on purpose the other team to take them out. 
That was something that was commonplace with all 32 teams, and that was something that was done high school to college to the NFL. I talked to Greg Williams, and he says he's proud to be part of a league that is different now. Hmm. And he doesn't blame himself for back then because, again, that's the way it was. That's the way it had always been. It's wild to me to think that I was part of, of a mindset and a mentality where I wanted to go out and I wanted to take someone out. It was like this groupthink mentality where that's just what football is and how it's always been. The game's come a long way, and uh, it's so much better. But at some point, something needed to happen. Something needed to change. That was one of the pivotal points, I think, in this recent change we're seeing, the, the impetus for that ne much-needed change. So what does that change look like? What are the NFL and other leagues doing to make the game safer? I recently spoke to Jeff Miller. He oversees player health and safety for the NFL. He invited me to a league-funded research lab. Three, two, one. In Charlottesville, Virginia. It's called BioCore. What force was that? That's on the lower end of what would cause a concussion. And they study hundreds of hours of game film, specifically when injuries happen. They find out how they happen, what caused it, what may have caused it. Uh, they test turf surfaces. They analyze body movements. Uh, they test new helmets. That research alone, the helmet research and evolution is incredible. They now have specific helmets hmm. uh, for each position. Last year, for the first time, we saw a position-specific helmet. It was designed for linemen. They have more hits to the, the front or the crown of their head. This year, for the first time, we're going to see a quarterback-specific helmet. And so through their research at Biocore, they believe that someday, this is the really exciting part to me, is they might actually be able to predict injuries before they happen. 60% of the, the, the injuries that cause players to miss time in the NFL, they found were lower extremity injuries. And they now are using cameras and sensors. <laughs> Turning me into a video game. <laughs> and I was hooked up to him. We're having you go through a set of drills where we've tracked all your motions. One, go. To see are there any anomalies, imbalances in the body that could say, you know what? We see both knees and the left hip. It's causing too much load to go through your knees. Maybe work on your glutes. It's kind of favoring that hip you might want to pull back on him during practice because mm. it, he could be setting himself up for injury. So, And even if, like, the player says, hey, I'm fine, I, I can go back in, like, this kind of technology can kind of, like, see through some of that. Yeah, and it can it gives that knowledge and information to the team, to the coaches, to, to help protect the players from themselves. Bottom line is, with all of the information that's available to us, camera angles or sensors or injury data, we're going to get to the place where we'll understand risk and maybe someday be able to predict with some degree of certainty which players are more likely to be injured than others so we can intervene before it happens. Another way the game is safer, upwards of 50 rule changes over the past two decades. Uh, the concussion protocol. People whose sole jobs during games up in that booth are to watch every play and every player to see are there any potential concussions. If so, get that player out of the game. That mm. stuff never used to exist. Uh, mm. There are no more two-a-days in training camp. I went out to training camp the other day, and there's no boom, smacking, pads popping. It sounded more like pillow fights. Huh. <laughs> the players are wearing on top of their helmets these things called guardian caps. They're big, basically egg crate looking pillows. 
And um, they found that those are reducing the risks of uh, p- the potential for concussion significantly. Um, mm. So it's a whole new world out there. And this is a great thing because that is now starting to trickle down to the college and youth levels. And, um, you know, we got to protect the future. Right. I was going to say, most kids who play football will not end up in the NFL, let alone college. So w- what are these youth levels doing to protect the kids? Well, it's, it's true that fewer American kids are competing in 11-player high school football now than at the turn of the century. Mm. Many argue it's because of the potential for injury and some of the things we're learning. But I wanted to see just how different the game looks at the youth level today from when I played. So I went back to my hometown. Flag football is huge. Really? And the numbers are skyrocketing across the country. I think that is, that's big. Has anyone in here had to convince their parents that you want to play football? Like they're worried about health and safety? Anyone? My mom didn't want me to play football because she thought I would get hurt. She thought you would get hurt? What did mom and dad say or who? who? They, were, they were concerned about like head injuries because you can't always predict them. Like you can get blindsided. You know, players can learn the game. They can love the game, have fun playing the game. The skills that are needed without the contact at such a young age, before bodies and brains are fully developed. You know, I think there's a mixed bag. Given what I know now, would I do it all over again? I'd say hell no. Fighting depression, struggling to keep my thoughts straight. I can become violent even towards my own children. You have player, former players like in Legends, like Troy Aikman and Brett Favre and others who are saying, Mike Ditka, that um, I, don't, I wouldn't let my son or my grandchildren play. My three grandsons, I have one who's eight. I'm not going to encourage him to play football. How do you make the game safer? You don't play. But then you have others. I spoke to pro bowler for the Atlanta Falcons, Jake Matthews. This is how my dad put it. God's given us bodies that can take a beating and, and just keep Who is a third-generation professional football player. His dad, Bruce, was a Hall of Famer. His grandfather played in the NFL. He now has a son. I saw you out there with young Beckett, man. If he shows interest in football someday, do you have any sort of hesitation or concern about him getting into the sport? Not in the slightest. And uh, he says, I would absolutely let my son play the game. So there's this wide range. Mm. And I talked to defending Super Bowl champion coach Andy Reid of the Kansas City Chiefs. He told me the game is safer than it's ever been. Do you find yourself seeing what you've seen, maybe being more concerned about your son playing as a dad? Um, man, yes, I do. My son... Um, and maybe my young daughter would want to play football one day. We'll see. It's a physical sport, and it's a fast sport, but there's also collisions. Trying to go about those collisions the right way, I think, is, is important. Bill's head coach, Sean McDermott, says the game is safer as well, but they all agree that it can and has to continue to get safer. Hmm. Certainly great perspective. You can see a lot more of this reporting on the whole story with Anderson Cooper this coming Friday and Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern on CNN. Coy, thank you. Thanks, David. One Thing is a production of CNN Audio. This episode was produced by Paolo Ortiz and me, David Rind. Matt Dempsey is our production manager, Fez Jamil is our senior producer, Greg Peppers is our supervising producer, and Steve Lichtai is the executive producer of CNN Audio. Special thanks this week to Chris Gajillin, Bridget Leninger, and Sophie Tran. 
Thank you for listening. We'll be back next Sunday. Talk to you then.